Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming. We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lug It All Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we're discussing the one, the only, the new, I'm thinking of ending things film directed by Charlie Kaufman based on the book I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed, starring Jesse B- uh, Plemons and Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, David Thewlis, music by Jay Wadley, and cinematography by Lucas Zal. I am not familiar with uh, Lucas Zal, but he's the cinematographer on uh, Loving Vincent, um, Ida, and Cold War. Oh, I did watch Cold War. He was, that, was, that was pretty good cinematography. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. That was a, a pretty sure that was the Polish film. I'm not. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was uh, directed by Paul Pawlowski, um, which I actually like that movie just a little bit more than this. But uh, let's get into it. This is going to be kind of a tricky review, and I think that most people that have already seen it will understand why it is considered a tricky review. Um, this is going to be a tricky review for basically the reasoning of major reveals and have you or have you not seen, uh, sorry, read the book. Have you, uh, have you read the original I'm thinking of ending things book by Ian Reed, which actually, um, has a slightly different ending than this. So, um, I'm only going to be able to talk about that in the spoiler section, which kind of deters me from being able to talk about a chunk of the film. So I'm going to talk about the technicals and what I thought about this movie, just kind of going into it of what's going on. And so, um, yeah, I'm thinking of ending things. The only reason I wanted to watch it was because the specific cinematography and Charlie Kaufman. um, This guy is what you would probably call as like an auteur director. He's... uh, uh, wrote, uh, I think he directed as well, being John Malkovich. Oh, no, by, Spike, Spike Jones uh, directed that, but he wrote um, being John Malkovich and uh, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind was one of my favorite movies. I'm not sure if he actually, did he direct that as well? No, he, he just did the screenplay of that. Michael Gondry did the uh, directing of Spotless Mind. So I guess I haven't really seen too many of them thinking of any, any things. Uh, Anomalisa, I guess, is uh, another movie some people had mixed feelings about. I know that a lot of his movies are polarizing. And so um, I kind of expected that going in. But my Lord, this movie really tested my patience. I think there is, uh, I, I mean, if you don't like the oddness of the trailer, then you're not going to like the movie. If you're going in this movie looking for more of a horror film, I don't think you're going to like this movie. If you're going in expecting, you know, uh, kind of a looming dread happening throughout the entire film, kind of like an Ari Aster hereditary kind of film. I mean, it does have that Tony Collette uh, spice in it, which is, ex- you know, ex- exactly what you got from uh, Hereditary and Ari Aster's uh, work, the last two, you know, Hereditary and Midsummer. how those kind of had this like looming dread happening throughout the movie. Um, it definitely feels like that. Um, but 
essentially the movie is from the perspective of a young woman who contemplates ending her six week relationship with her boyfriend, Jake. Um, and so the entire movie is them driving to the parents' house, being at the parents' house for one night and then leaving the parents' house and, uh, trying to be, be home in time, uh, you know, for work the next morning or something like that. So, that is the essential plot of the film. The thing is, it's sprinkled in with these really long spurts of dialogue that are quite monotonous, in my opinion. If you were going in this expecting some Pulp Fiction dialogue of them talking about a crown royale with cheese or whatever the hell, um, it's not that kind of quippy snap dialogue. This dialogue is really dense, it's really thick, and it relies heavily in uh, almost film and uh, just uh, pop culture in general from all sorts of art, you know, no matter if you're talking about, you know, literal art like paintings or whether you're talking about uh, film reviews or actual movies. It's like you just have to know these random spurts of dialogue to really understand uh, or, or pieces of pop culture and history to kind of understand what this movie's really grappling grappling at, and so the problem for me in this movie is, uh, besides you know, it, I I think it's acted amazingly. I think the story is is almost there. It's like an eighty percent script. If I it it I think it needed just a tad bit of uh, studio interference to say, you know, not everyone is going to understand this movie. We need to put this scene in. We need to do this. I felt I didn't completely understand this movie until I watched and listened to like four or five different reviews. I had to learn about what the difference was between the movies and the the movie and the book. And I quite honestly don't mind doing that. Like I'm going to do that anyway. It's what I like doing is watching the films, watching the, the TV shows and then doing a deep dive. But I don't think you should have to do that to understand the concepts of the movie. Like I, I, I feel like they are dangling this psychological horror film, horror film in your face for it's a two and a half hour movie. It's two hours and like 15 minutes or something like that. Um, yeah, it for for what feels like two hours of that movie, it feels like a psychological horror film of something just doesn't feel right. And then all of a sudden, at the very last little bit, instead of hitting you with the uh, the big reveal of, you know, what's been going on, they they go off in this like metaphorical dance and that, that you know, that can only serve so much if you don't give the viewer enough to grasp on because I felt like I was looking at a puzzle piece that didn't, sorry, a puzzle that was missing like the main pieces of what you're looking at. And you, you got the edges, you got the border and there certainly was this really detailed and intricate puzzle, but there's things that you're absolutely missing and almost feel essential to watching uh, the movie after you, read the book. It's a, it's a completely different experience is probably what, what I would say. If you have any knowledge going into this of what, what it's about, then yeah, it's, uh, um, it, it would very much help from reading the book first, I guess. Uh, it's one of the few times I guess would probably 
recommend that, I guess. I don't know. Books and movies, I feel like, should be able to stand on their own in a way. But the way that this movie is, uh, the way it ends, it just feels too too much of a question mark in the air. And actually, there's something that happens during the, the credits that make things definitive of uh, what this movie should be um, and, and kind of plant your foot into what's going on. Um, but Netflix is notoriously known for, can't you know, you know, turn on another, as soon as you end something, you were essentially watching a, a trailer right before, you know, the directed by in, in credits come on. It's almost just that quick. You got to watch the end of the credits of this movie to really understand the full length of what happened. Now, uh, you know, I enjoy, the cinematography and the set design and the the atmosphere of this it felt like you know you're in this car for such a long monotonous time and it feels claustrophobic like what's going to happen what's you know it the scenes are so long and drawn out in a way that it feels looming in a way that could be potentially dreadful but then all of a sudden you're there too long or the pacing gets flipped off and you know it, it the pacing is thrown off throwing off the horror psychological the, the psychological horror elements of it it's like all right get on with it um you know it, are they crazy or not what's going on <laughs> and so um yeah and, and the original novel came out in 2016 by the way um but yeah, so I kind of uh, this is might be a movie that might benefit from reading the plot real quick. So um, let's jump into the plot of the movie and I might be able to talk a little bit more about how I felt about the individual scenes and stuff like that. I didn't take notes like uh, strict notes on this, but I felt like the editing by Robert Frazen was very deliberate and the details that went into this. I mean, they said that there would be scenes where they would have like five different types of the same outfit that they would wear and they would just keep changing the outfits in between the scenes and the cuts and it was just to throw off the mind and stuff like that and so i love that type of storytelling when it's like you know very detailed and things just feel uneasy and you, you want the viewer to kind of uh un unravel the mystery themselves the thing is i felt like the mystery became unimportant to the story once it hit about the hour 45 minute mark and they just started to go all uh, meta metaphorical i guess or something like that but let's talk about this uh plot and this is obviously going to include spoilers so this is going to be a little bit more detailed um so let's get down to it a young woman contemplates ending her six-week relationship with her boyfriend jake while taking a trip to meet Jake's parents on their farm. During the drive, Jake attempts to recite a poem he read when he was younger, Ode Intentions of Immortality, and pressures the woman into performing one of her arts in the car to pass the time. These, these two things felt so like, what the fuck am I watching? But with it interchanged and editing, talking about how Jake watches, you know, people perform Oklahoma but yet he wasn't he's there we're seeing an old man we're seeing basically old man Jake watch um Oklahoma something's instantly up and the fact that we're not like geared toward anybody the entire first like what feels like 30 minutes in the car 
like we don't see anybody and she's can't she's turning off all of her phones uh phone calls from her lucia and stuff like that i was like what is going something's definitely off something's definitely wrong but they are just having this monotonous conversation about owed imitations of immortality and stuff like that i don't know it's a, it says it's a uh, owed imitations of immortality recollections of early childhood is a poem by william wordsworth completed in 1804 what the fuck who the fuck would know this like it, this was not something that was taught readily in school so like charlie kaufman is just pulling out these things from right out the ass is what i say this is this is straight bullshit is what it feels like they're just talking for uh, to make it sound like they have something smart to say, double toasted said it best. It sounds like two college kids trying to have a, a, a interesting conversation about nothing. After she recites a morbid poem about coming home, they arrive at the farmhouse. Jake takes the young woman to the barn, where he recounts a story about a maggot-infested pig, and I'm guessing this is supposed to be about like life. Uh, you know the you know the pig being eaten eaten at is i guess life just dying i guess i don't know there was a lot of stuff that i felt like needed to be explained a little bit more throughout the story which is why i'm kind of going back in this i'm like what the fuck i i even listened and watched a couple of uh, reviews and i was like none of this is really clicking yet and there seems to be so much like metaphor happening throughout this thing it's just like it, it i'm barely grasping onto the actual story Throughout the drive, as well as later scenes in the film, the main narrative is intercut with footage of a janitor working at a high school, including scenes where he sees a musical production rehearsal and a dance in the school's hallway. Inside the home, the young woman notices scratches on the basement door. Now, this there's just weird, eerie things happening throughout this entire film that make you feel like something's going to be fucking weird. And the fucking scratches are way fucking too high. And it's like, what kind of dog is that tall? Uh, I mean, you know, Jake's saying, uh, it's the fucking dog, I guess, you know? And he's it feels like every time he's lying about something, they, like, hold it just long enough for you to be, like, questioning him. And then the, the dog will walk in or something like that. Um... It'll prove him that he was actually right. At dinner with Jake's parents, the woman who is described as having different occupations shares one of her verses and tells the story of how she and Jake met at trivia night, told her, uh, told with narrative inconsistencies. So the entire movie is uh, littered with inconsistencies that kind of are trying to help you uh, piece together that this is like some, uh, you know, some some fuck shit's going on something something's not right in the air you know like so I'll, the entire time i was thinking all right who's dead he's dead she's dead someone's dead is this being told in someone's head what's going on you know i, I had so i i had something in my uh mind that was telling me that someone was dead because of i thought they were in purgatory or something the entire time that it was happening later she notices a picture of jake as a child but becomes confused after recognizing that child as herself um, which is explained later. Um, the young woman receives another call in a mysterious male voice that explains that there is one question to answer. Jake's, uh, Jake's parents begin to transition back and forth from the younger selves to elderly dementia patients. Um, when the young woman takes laundry down to the basement, she discovers several identical janitor uniforms in the laundry and receives another phone call 
from the mysterious voice. And so these are just like small illusions that are, that are connecting Jake and her as, as a person. On the drive home, Jake mentioned several events of that night that the young woman does not remember, including her drinking too much wine. Word association soon leads to an extinction of John Cassavetes, a woman under the influence. Um, a 1974 America drama film, comedy and written, directed by John Cassavetes. The story follows a woman whose unusual behavior leads to conflict, conflict with her blue-collared husband and family. Um, like, I don't fucking know that. I was Was this like a... Is this a piece of American film that was taught in film studies that I just missed? I, I don't maybe I missed that day or something like that, but very specific. Like I said, if you don't know these specific things that happen, it's just like watching an Avengers movie and not seeing the first 20 movies. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Who the fuck is, you know, Tony Stark? What's a, what's a Spider-Man? You know, uh, find me Spider-Man. <laughs> I was just like, these are so specific. I cannot. Uh, attached to what they're talking about for so for so much of it, it's just like you're really isolating your audience by doing this. Uh, finding themselves in the middle of a snowstorm, the pair stop at Tulsi Town, an ice cream parlor that they meet employees who are also students at where the janitor works. And while the young woman buys dessert, a bruised employee attempts to warn her of something she can't describe. Um, I'm still kind of confused at what was going on with this. It was. It was very strange on all accounts. Like I didn't understand the girls that were like fascinated by him versus the girl that was looked like she had been be be beaten up and there was some strange smell coming from the back. Like what the fuck? Like a lot of that feels like there was something that happened when he was younger, but there's just some misinformation that we're getting or just not enough information about it, you know? Jake stops at the high school to throw the cups, the food cups away after a heated argument in the parking lot over. Sorry, after a heated argument in the parking lot over the lyrics, baby, it's cold outside. Um, Jake notices the janitor watching them from inside the school and decides to confront him. Um, I thought that was an interesting conversation of the, the lyrics of baby, it's cold outside. Um, she fucking takes this thing down considering, considering how much agency she, she has as a female, even though it's kind of just like all over the place with these narrative inconsistencies, it's still very, uh, it was impressive how they took down the song, baby, it's cold outside talking about like the, the guy's trying to get her drunk. She, he definitely puts, he put a Mickey in her drink, tried to. Cosby it up and basically it's a problematic song and so um I was just like god dang this is the most relatable the conversation I think that I could really understand that they were talking about but I was it's just taking so long for this and uh he's like yeah yeah I see your I see your perspective and stuff you know and so um Jake notices the janitor goes in front of him, leaving the young woman alone in the car. After a long wait, she decides to go. Uh, she decides to look for Jake inside the school. She meets the janitor and asks. Uh, oh, she does pass all the. She passed the dumpster where he dumps tons of the same uh, 
ice cream uh, floats or whatever they got from Tulsi Town. So he's done this clearly many times before. You're like, oh my gosh, we've done this, you know, a hundred times before. Dun, dun, dun. Like, I think we've seen this scene many times in uh, movies where something's not right. And then you realize the character has been doing this, you know, for five, ten years or something like that. Or they're stuck somewhere. And... Yes, we've seen this. And so it's like, all right, now we're now we're cooking with fire. We're we're this is where it's getting good, right? And as soon as she enters this fucking uh school, I feel like it just completely drops the ball. It was like he was juggling all these awesome ideas and uh cinematography and all this uh most the, the really interesting uh plot lines and character beats, and then he just throws the entire thing out the window. He says, Fuck it. So um yeah, after a long way, she decides to look at the janitor. So she meets the janitor and asks him where Jake is before realizing she doesn't remember what Jake looks like. So there's things that are happening to her that I'm like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. You know, he's like, well, describe him. You know, what does he look like? And she's like, well, you know, it's kind of hard to describe people. It's like, no, he's not. He's a, he's a thick-ass white guy, you know, <laughs> How, in the middle of the night. <laughs> she reveals that nothing happened between her and Jake on the night that they met and stay instead of claiming she was made uh, uncomfortable by Jake staring at her. And so what it seems to be at around this point, we find out that, uh, let me see. Okay. So after a young woman discovers Jake at the end of the hall, they look at, they look on as people dressed like themselves engaged in ballet um, which ends in the janitor janitor's dancer kills Jake's dancer with a knife. And so basically this is the common, this is the, the forging of Jake and the janitor becoming one person. He is the janitor. We, the janitor has killed young Jake. Young Jake does not exist. Therefore she is not existing either so she you know she's in his head having finished his shift the janitor suffers a mental breakdown and begins to hallucinate visions of jake's parents as well as an animated tulsi town tulsi town jingle i really like the design of the tulsi town kind of remind me of cuphead he undresses and walks back into the school being led by another hallucination of a maggot infested pig who tells him that this is the same pig we see earlier that she sees. This is like, uh, you know, coming on in or something like that. I don't remember what he says. Um, who tells him that he and his ideas are one and the same and that he should get dressed. On an auditorium stage, an old Jake receives a Nobel Prize and sings a song. And I believe this is from A Beautiful Mind. Once again, I haven't seen A Beautiful Mind. If you're quoting all these specific things and I don't know them, I ain't going to get the shot. <laughs> to a full audience of various characters and they're all in like stay, uh, stage play makeup um, who give him a standing ovation and in the final shot a vehicle is covered in snow in the school parking lot what they do not mention at the very end is it sounds like there was a car starting at the end of the uh the film so debatably he's he's alive i mean so, uh, i think most people would think that 
you know, he hallucinated and um, he hallucinated that going inside the school and just passed out in his car. But at the very end, maybe he just turned on the car and, and left, you know? it's really up to interpretation with what really happened. And it took me a while to figure out what was going on. And they, the, the part of the dancing ballet, I, I don't know if you should do the ballet and the stage play at the end, because it feels like they're both so elongated. It feels like a 25 minute outro of a visualization of explaining of what was going on which I almost felt like I needed more exposition. I was like, I am really dumb right now. I have not seen the, the, I've not read the book. And I, my guess is people that have read the book will say, oh yes, this is exactly how it should go. Because um, at the end of the book, what happens is I'm thinking of ending things takes it from being you think that things are talking about uh, uh, this guy's life and, you know, him dealing with mortality. Um, well, the movie kind of takes it as if I'm thinking of ending things, of ending a relationship. Really, it's I'm thinking of ending a life. I'm thinking of he's he's thinking of killing himself. It's a, it's, it's almost like a suicide pact of some sort. Um, you know, he's in the book it is much more gruesome what apparently happens is they find uh I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil the book um i have not read it but what i heard is they find jake in the school he does do all he does um uh strip down naked leave his car and walk into the school i don't know if the dance and all of the uh I don't know if the audience of uh, the auditorium stage is happening, but they find uh, Jake in the closet ha having stabbed himself to death. And there's like a note that explains that he, you know, made up this girl in his head and stuff like that. I don't know. That's what happened in the book. In this, it seems like he wanted to kind of have a little bit more of a happy ending. Like, it's still really sad of what's going on. This guy's just completely depressed he's probably some sort of uh, failed physicist or something like that and just he's just down on his luck i will link a couple of reviews of uh this i really enjoyed that helped me kind of understand this movie a little bit better i hope this uh, review helped you know kind of flesh things out and help you understand what actually happened in this movie because i even regurgitating it i'm like what the fuck was going on um you know was the was the juice worth the squeeze and stuff like that and so honestly kind of a toss-up depending on who you are so it's kind of hard to recommend it gave it a seven out of ten mostly because it's ambitious i just don't think it um completes uh, a couple of narrative loops that it really needed to for more mainstream audiences and people like me that have haven't read up on or are not up to date on John Cassavetes, you know, it's uh, kind of like Tarantino popping out all these uh, pop culture um, references and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's, it's a very mixed bag. In my opinion, it's, it's probably not going to make, uh, it'd be very low on the top 10 of my uh, movies of this year, but I don't know. It might make it. I'll let y'all know. Um, let me know what you thought about 
I'm thinking of ending things. I definitely see a positive review and I definitely see the negative review. I am curious what everyone's feeling and thinking about this, uh, about this movie. So, um, let me know how I can improve. Remember to subscribe, thumbs up. We like the thumbs, give us all the thumbs. Um, if you can, um, and are interested in getting these podcasts early, you can get them early on YouTube and Patreon. We are offering a Patreon. It's going to have the full library of Lucky Dog Podcasts. We've also got um, reviews on animated shows like uh, we got Yu-Gi-Oh! We got like uh, SpongeBob. We're going to uh, probably pop out a couple more um, similar things, just like the reviews we have for uh, podcasts that we have for um, like Avatar and stuff like that. Um, so, let me know how I can improve on the podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, and retro reviews are in uh, Patreon as well. So uh, get it early on YouTube and Patreon. Get the podcast mastered on SoundCloud. Get it uh, live on Twitch. Let me know how I can improve again. Thank you. And take it easy. Maybe this is how it was always going to end.